Welcome to Bear Finish, the official podcast of Great Lakes Stainless, episode 32. This is Paul and Trav. Uh, Mike is out sick. He's been sick for a while, and so his voice, uh, he sounds like Kim Kardashian, I think. So Really? That, I mean, that's, yeah, you know, kind of throaty, rough. Cause that, that's how I imagine her voice sounds. I don't know that I've ever heard it and don't ever care to, but that's, that's my... And you know, I don't know that I've heard it either. I'm going to say Kim Kardashian with a mouthful of gravel. <laughs> That's what his voice sounds like, folks. Or that girl in high school that everybody knew. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or her. Like, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Shout That's out sorry. to Teresa. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to lie. I've been fighting something, too. You can probably hear it in my voice. So if I cough, just whatever. Deal with it. I'll try to edit yeah. it out. Um, so anyway, on this episode, we had uh, Jeffrey and Caitlin from North Sky Raptor Sanctuary. And I thought about asking them to change their name because it really... Highlights my speech impediment. I feel all the. You have a speech essence. impediment that I haven't been making fun of. Uh, I guess you know. I really. It's funny is that when we first started doing this podcast, the first time I listened back to it, I'm like, holy crap, my s's. I feel mm. it's like a lisp. Sound like Ted Nugent? <laughs> no, it's not the whistle. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not the the whistle. It's just the. It's like the way Brad talks. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. The, yeah. So I don't know. A little self-conscious of it, but it is what it is. Not you guys want to make fun it. of Paul about a speech impediment? Feel free to email us at mirrorfinish at greatlakesstainless.com. Yeah, I mean, at least we'll get emails. We'd so, love to hear about it. Yeah, that's fine. Any kind of communication at this point is good communication. Yeah, I agree. Like Travis said, mirrorfinish at uh, greatlakesstainless.com, Facebook, uh, Instagram. We've got some cool stuff on Instagram lately. We're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are actually, there is there is nothing on the website right now as far as jobs, but whatever. Come in. Always looking for welders, obviously. Show us what you got. Uh, we'll put you through a, like a brief test. I mean, when you first started, you did like a weld test, yeah. right? Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, Take a weld test. Yep. Weld some tube. Yep. Show us what you got. Anyway, back to our back to our guests. Uh, so yeah, North Sky Raptor Sanctuary. They are affiliated with Wings of Wonder, and that's kind of how they found out about us because I actually reached out to Rebecca Lassard at Wings of Wonder. She couldn't do it. She was tied up. Um, but Caitlin actually had worked with Rebecca uh, for a few years, and you'll hear all about it in the episode. And she, um, they started their own. Um, and it's actually right out of their house right now in Interlochen. And uh, it, was, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, and we actually also uh, just recorded Habitat for Humanity Yesterday, that's not going to come out for like a couple weeks yet, uh, just to keep on our every other week schedule. Uh, but yeah, we've had a few nonprofits lately, and we kind of talk about uh, in both North Sky and Habitat um, the importance of, of nonprofits. And you know, we've got, uh, I don't want to get too into, you know, like political science and stuff like that, but you know, we've got this, what we're taught now is this hyper individualism and that wealth equals success, and uh, I think that's true to a certain point. But you know, when you're living with in a nation with 300 million people, you kind of got to look out for each other at some point. And so that's what these guys do. They're doing the good work. Yeah, it was a really, really good couple of episodes. Even though we're not, uh, we don't have anything on the website as far as, as hiring. Uh, we still seem to stay pretty busy. We got a pretty busy summer coming up. Mm-hmm. A couple of big jobs uh, looking good. I do want to get. Um, I do want to get like a series going here that's the more technical side of the business. Talk about welding, talk about finishing, uh, maybe get someone from the wood shop. Right. Come and talk about that. I got to get that lined up. 
so, um, but uh, yeah, so check us out, uh, greatlakestainless.com, uh, mirror finish at greatlakestainless.com, Facebook, Instagram, of course, wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review, boost us up in the rankings. Uh, so if you don't have anything else? No, I don't think so. All right. Here's episode 32 with Jeff Re- Jeffrey and Caitlin of North Sky Raptor Sanctuary. you want. It's an uh, omnidirectional mic, so if you want a little comfortable chair, feel free to hop in there. We'll give Travis the, that one. So. Like a, a glass or a little bottle of water? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, sir. A couple extra ones. I'm glad you took advantage of the candy. Well, yeah. I was making fun of him for taking candy. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm, what it's there for. I'm only human. No I mean. problem. Oh, yeah. I can't resist either. This is Jeffrey and Caitlin. Hi, Hi Jeffrey. Nice to meet you. Caitlin, nice, nice to meet, to meet you. you. Does, how does the weather affect you guys at, at North Sky? I just get wet when I go out to shoot sure. birds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if we're flying birds outside for conditioning, it complicates things a little bit, but. Sure. They just the birds don't really care. It's more us. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna ask. It's like how I mean, obviously, indigenous birds are they're acclimated to the weather. So yeah, they'd usually mm-hmm. like tuck in to the trees or whatever and try and wait it out because okay. any other prey would be doing the same thing. So they just oh, kind of wait sense. it out. Um, but it's good conditioning for them to go out a little damp. Sure. Yeah. And now you worked with Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. She's great. She came She's to my kids' amazing. school. Yeah. And was uh, what school? Betsy Valley Elementary? I don't think I was at that one. It's over in Thompsonville? Yeah, I've not been so there. That was just last last year, like last spring. Okay. This is Travis. This is Jeff, oh, yes. Jeffrey Fine. and Caitlin from North Sky. Birds, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about birds. <laughs> um, we were just talking about how Caitlin got... You kind of got your start under Rebecca Lassard yeah. at Wings of Wonder. And she's actually who um, recommended... Uh, you guys to us because I know she's having some family issues and so she's out of town. Yeah. Um, so I hope everything's going well uh, with that. But we're glad to have you guys here. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, it was just her. Maybe she might have had an assistant or something at, at my kid's school. But uh, uh, yeah, she was great. She handled the kids great and she brought um, a turkey vulture. Yep. She brought it's her favorite. He's a is it? big hit. Yeah, yeah, she loves him. <laughs> well, he's got he's got a real personality. Too, oh, Joseph he's kinda. a ham. Yeah. Yeah. So and that was a surprise to me because I don't think people really think of birds as having personalities. Right. But, you know, um, and you guys have uh, one permanent resident, right? Vega. Yep. That, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a female red tail hawk. You got is that it. Okay. You got it. So. Um, Personalities or are they burdenalities? Oh. Uh, hey. <laughs> pun. He's the pun king. <laughs> really, yeah. I'm going to have to rethink game. a lot of things I say now. <laughs> dog and alley. This is dog and alley. Yeah. Right? This is uh, it's probably going to be the whole hour. Just that's, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. So how did she come uh, to stay with you guys? Um, so she is under the Wings of Wonder permit right now. Um, so she, in 2000. 17 um, was brought to us by a farmer um, out in Elk Rapids. He found her walking, which is weird. Um, mm-hmm. And 
She was on the ground. She wouldn't fly. He was able to walk up to her, pick her up, kind of load her into his truck in a um, cardboard box, brought her to Wings of Wonder. She was really sick. She smelled like skunk. It was really uh. gross. Um, and she, um, we suspected she had West Isle. So, really? Yeah. So we treated her um, a lot of supportive care, made sure that she was well fed, got her fluids in, all that kind of stuff. It's like... Um, like an extreme version of our flu, okay. but they don't manage it very well. Um, so uh, during her care at Wings of Wonder, we determined that she was also blind in her right eye, um, which could have been an old injury or just a like a genetic defect. Something happened in the egg, whatever. Um, but she, even though she recovered from the West Nile virus, her um, one of the side effects of West Nile is like encephalitis in the brain. So it's a scar tissue that happens up there. So she, her world moves very slowly mm. now. So if she'd see the mouse, watch it go. And then her instincts would catch it and be like, oh, probably should have okay. caught that mouse. The mouse is gone. <laughs> so she could never hunt on her own in the wild. And that plus the blind right eye, she's kind of a mess, but makes her really calm at public programs. So we use her for schools where the kids are like really jittery. Nice. Um, Cause yeah. she, she sees something and then she's like, and it's gone. It's already uh, gone. She doesn't have to react to it. By the time she things. understands that stimulus is probably a problem, sure, it's, it's all gone. With a, and the reason that that's helpful is because with a lot of the birds, um, at programs, unexpected things can get a little weird. For instance, a lot of birds don't like strollers for some reason. It's a very random thing. But And then at a lot of programs, well, you naturally have a lot of kids, so there's strollers. Things like balloons or, you know, dogs or... Yeah. They, they just get very skittish because, of course, their their natural state is to be nowhere near any of that. Yeah. So um, one thing that's nice about Vega is because she processes things a little slower, she doesn't react immediately to stuff like that. And by the time she does, it, she's pretty much forgotten about it. So okay. it works perfectly. The other thing that's that's unique about her is, is because she has one blind eye, while she's doing, while Caitlin's doing a presentation, she can kind of read a situation and if she has to she just kind of turns the bird oh. one way or the other to kind of take her away from that stimulus um but, she makes me look like an amazing handler yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are also times where that that blindness in the eye can be a little startling because she's she's blind in her right eye and you, you hold the bird on your left arm okay. your non-dominant arm okay. and uh so there are times when vega will just forget that caitlin's there until she turns her head enough, and then she's like, oh, oh, you're still there. Sure. Oh, we're doing this thing, okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to watch. Sure. Now, um, do you guys have medical training? Because uh, the way you were talking, it sounded like you, you know, had some form of uh, training. I'm just not yeah. sure what level. Or... Um, I started going to college for um, medicine. Thought I was going to be some hotshot doctor. Uh -huh. It's going to be amazing. Um, one of my family members sat me down and uh, created a spreadsheet with the math because I was paying for it out of pocket myself and <laughs> switched trajectories <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just just basic basic biology and just really enjoy sure. knowing what's going on. Sure. Um, plus, under the tutelage of Rebecca and uh, Northwood Animal Hospital, help oh. partner with us. They're amazing. Nice. Yeah, that's we take our dogs there. We, we adore yeah, they've been great. them. Um, and they, they've been so helpful. We couldn't do half of the rehabs that we've done nice. without their help. 
Let's so, them up for a sponsorship, you know. <laughs> free, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of that medical knowledge just comes from, from the experience. I mean, she's been working with them for roughly five years okay. um, on, on the rehab. So you just pick up stuff along the way. But also a lot of the testing and licensing that you have to do to be able to work with the birds um, requires some level of knowledge that you, you learn through the courses or through your, you know, experience and training so that when you get to the to the to the licensing stage you kind of already know where where you need to be okay but like by no means do we not learn things like every every bird is is different sure. so um yeah it's, it's just a whole different set of 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 skills that come with with each bird so okay and both of you so does everyone that works with the birds have to have the same kind of certifications and training um sort of so the licenses are all held in my name. So okay. I went, I took the tests, I applied for the licenses, all that kind of good stuff. And I'm personally responsible for anyone else who handles the birds. Now, I have to list anyone who would be handling the birds. Like, he's at home, he's with me. Like, if I'm gone, he has to be the one who handles the birds that weekend. So he has to know all the things, and it's my responsibility to train him in, and he's listed on my permit. Okay. Um, same would be for any volunteer that comes on property. would have to, like... We're not ready for that yet, but should we we get that, they would have to be listed as a subcommittee, and then I'm personally responsible for anything that happens, um, either to them or to the birds, okay. which the feds are more worried about the birds than <laughs> most people. <laughs> and so is, it a, is it a federal permit or is it a state permit? Both. Oh, both. Uh, yeah, we have to have them in each. It's, because it's multiple permits, too. Um, you know, there's, there's a permit just to, to rehab. There's a permit for eagles. There's a permit for possession. There's a permit for salvage it's it's oh, wow. there's quite a bit of permitting involved um which is definitely i mean preferable and understandable because you, you really you have to do a lot of work in order to be able to do this but um that's what you want somebody to have to do in order to be able to do this um, that makes sense because it does require a lot of i mean there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there who would love to kind of do this stuff but unless you're doing it right um i mean it's it's easy to to do more harm than good sometimes. What's uh, a salvage permit? What are you? Um, so like being able to, let's say um, somebody finds a dead bird um, oh, and oh. the bird's in really good condition, um, we would want to be able to have the license to remove that bird and maybe um, taxidermy one of the wings so that way we could use it as a specimen for a program so people could see the difference between an owl wing and a falcon wing, okay. something like that. Okay. Um, or so, keep, keep the feathers so that uh, if we have a bird that has damaged flight feathers, then we can you know, take the same feather off, the same, uh, off a different bird and, and imp it. It's called imping uh, onto the new bird so that it has a functional feather until it molts the following year. So just that kind of stuff. So it really is for replacement parts. Yeah, yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to the junkyard to get that replacement. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Is what it comes down <laughs> to. That's what I pictured, Ryan. It's salvage, but that's what I yeah. figured out. Oh, no, you're right. But yeah, like from, from a permitting standpoint, um, you know, our organization is in both of our names. I kind of handle the business stuff. She handles the bird stuff. That's okay. exactly how I prefer it. Sure. Um, yeah. So. He's forced to help me every once in a while. <laughs> so right. what kinds, I mean, obviously people, I bet most people don't think about the business side yep. of organizations like this. So, you know, tell us about that. What's involved in the business? Well, side? it's a nonprofit organization. Okay. Um, so a, a lot of it is, you know, you know, just the startup of a nonprofit organization, if it's something you've never done before, can be intimidating. Okay. Um, 
you know, the, the permitting process for the organization that, that we run is also very intimidating. Um, but, you know, once you got all that stuff up and running, websites, all of that kind of stuff, then, then you're, you're pretty good. The day-to-day is, is more about um, managing, you know, relationships and finances. So, you know, like we're fortunate enough to have in our, our network, uh, again, Northwoods, which is, which is a great um, resource for us. Um, but then we also have local farmers who, who provide us with food. We've got, um, you know, people in the community who provide us with materials that we need. Okay. Um, you know, as a newer nonprofit, it can be very, very difficult to get the stuff we need. But so far, we've been fortunate to have a, a community of people who, um, who have kind of gone out and found stuff for us. You know, like dog crates, for instance. Um, you know, we transport the birds in plastic dog crates oh, sure. because it's, it's the simplest, easiest way to do it. Um, but, you know, they can be expensive, and a lot of people just have dog crates they don't use anymore. So, um, and we actually found one. We were just on a lazy Sunday driving from what Lake Ann we, we stopped in Aiton Lake Ann yeah. on, after hitting the dunes and we're driving and there's a dog crate on the side of the road we're like perfect <laughs> we needed one that size so but but yeah I mean just just uh, managing the website the Facebook you know in, in order to, to run a, an organization like this you've got to keep constant you know contact with people so that they you know, see activity happening and, and it, it drives interest. And so a lot of that is, is my responsibility, um, which is kind of more up my alley anyways, whereas she's the more compassionate. You know, I'm, sure. I'm a very logical, practical sure. person. But, um, but yeah, just also managing, you know, like, okay, is it is it time for another food order? You know, what do we need? And, you know, a lot of it is she's very focused on like the individual birds whereas i'm kind of looking at the larger picture too so we balance each other out very well nice yeah so is uh business your background as far as education um yeah professionally yes okay um you know i've i've been a manager at a couple different businesses and um but it's the first time i've ever uh well either of us have have ever kind of done our own thing Mm -hmm. so it's been intimidating frustrating and fun at the same time the uh the the state government can be frustrating at times with their sure. processes and and so can the, the federal government and sometimes they conflict with each other and you're like uh <laughs> but uh you know we work through all of that fortunately the you know the state representative for for the michigan dnr and the the federal representative for permitting in this region are um, people that we just happen to know because of our relationship with rebecca and um that that helps um, and uh, I know their jobs have become a little more difficult in the past few years. So, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, uh, but it, it, it helps to kind of have that relationship and, and be able to open, you know, dialogue with someone that, that knows you and sure. isn't just like, okay, who are you? What do you want from me? Right. You know? Yeah. It's way easier to submit a form paper with a question going, did I do this right? I don't want to waste your time to sure. somebody who you've had a conversation yeah. with before as yeah. opposed to like, I'm new. Good sure. luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is a federal agency that permits? It's uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. Okay. So what did you do before North Sky? Well, concurrently with North Sky, I work a real job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a gymnastics coach. So I coach oh. competitive gymnastics year-round. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. And we travel from December 2nd through middle or end of May. Um, so that's our travel season, and then summer we're 
usually home. Okay. Yeah. Is it just in the state or do you travel outside of the state? Uh, we travel outside the state. So we travel, most of our meets are in Southeast Michigan because that's where most of the humans are yeah, in Michigan. Sure. So, um, yeah, we travel, usually it's about every other weekend um, down somewhere, usually in Southeast Michigan. And then we do one um, team trip per year. So we did Las Vegas this year, oh. um, took the girls to Vegas. It was yeah, we did. awesome. Nice. Um, <laughs> it... Uh, Oh, God. They were singing whatever pop song was ridiculous as we're walking through the casino floor. And yes. there's like 30 of them. It's definitely it was... a, a weird scene, I'm sure. <laughs> 30 small girls walking, being corralled through a casino floor. Oh, God, it was awesome. Uh, as they sing whatever pop song is playing on the radio. What ages? Um, so my youngest competitive, I think, is six or seven. She wow. might have just turned seven. And then our oldest goes through high school, so 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we do, like I said, one team trip a year and then whatever they qualify for. So okay. uh, they will all qualify for state meet. Um, but, you know, regionals, we've got a five-state region, and then nationals if they're upper level. Okay. And those all change. Oh, sure. Is it the same with you? Um, do you work? Do you do oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this, is, uh, this is definitely a uh, um, hobby quote-unquote for for us but it's a very time-consuming one these days yeah um no i'm uh i'm the uh, used car team leader for bill marsh oh so um previous to that though i was uh i was a manager at sears for eight years of course no longer with us but uh yeah i've been at bill marsh for about five years now and um you know previous to that i did mortgages downstate and okay um but uh but yeah that's so we we definitely both have full-time jobs sure Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, the, really the way we manage that, of course, there's a, there's a set of quote-unquote chores, you know, that we have to do each day, just general upkeep, depending upon what rehab birds we have at the time. Um, you know, obviously it's a little busier on uh, uh, spring, on the spring and fall end of it just because of migration season. Oh. That's where we get okay. most of the patients that we get, unless they're just real local native birds. Um, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of times what helps is, you know, we, we get a lot of phone calls uh, in a day uh, in, in general, especially this time of year with all the, the young birds, mm. the baby birds, and people are concerned. Um, but if we have a bird we need to take in, we can usually get folks to meet us, you know, in Traverse at one of our jobs, um, okay. which is always an interesting situation. <laughs> but uh, our employers are awesome. Yes, like, they are. So okay. awesome. They, they understand they're very supportive of what Good. we do, so so that's helpful. But, uh, yeah, and in general, the, the public has been able to 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 bring to us what they find. Or the DNR. Um, or, yeah, a, a lot of our birds come from the DNR, too, But um, which makes things easier. If we had to travel to, to pick up all the birds, I don't know that we'd be able to do sure. it. You know, and and work our jobs. You know, maybe at some point in the future this becomes a job, but right now it is it is just very much a a nonprofit kind of you know uh, labor of love. Sure. Yeah. So what made you guys get into it? Or, you know, make that leap and, and start this. Um. So I started volunteering for Rebecca about five years ago. I think four and a half, five years ago. Um, and I just kind of dove right in. Anything she needed would allow me to do anything. Um, It was just amazing to be out there um, and helping her at programs, watching her, you know, work work the crowd and really connect with kids was 
awesome. Yeah, Rebecca is amazing. I work mm-hmm. with kids, and she connects with them on a totally different level that just astounded me. So um, that was really cool. So I try to soak up as much as I can anytime I'm around her. Um, and she, she, I don't know how you want to address that. I'm not too drive. Ultimately, what it what it came down to is. We had to determine whether we wanted to do more or less. Um, just because Rebecca's at a time in her life, she's been doing it 30 years, where she's you know, hoping to move some responsibilities to other folks. So we were, um, we were driving back from Tennessee. Yep. We had a nice long time to chat in the car. <laughs> and uh, we pretty much spent that, that whole drive trying to figure out... Um, you know how it would look if if we decided to take up that mantle and and run with it and um you know we had some conversations with her and her board of directors um and uh, it was all kind of very daunting at the time because i'd never done a nonprofit, you know but it, it it came to a point where we decided that that was the right move um and she was very supportive of it and well she was thrilled Mm-hmm. Um, because she happens to like Caitlin, and uh, and well, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> so news for everyone. We kind of determined what nice what route we needed there. to go. You know, so we needed infrastructure. We needed um, you know a, a digital platform. We needed you know all of this stuff, and we just kind of started to chip away at it. What really kind of tipped us over the edge, though, is is we got. Vega in at Wings of Wonder, and you know Rebecca, much to my chagrin at the time, was like, "Hey, do you want this bird? This could be your bird." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, 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 we're not going there." Um, but over over the year that we we you know kind of took on Vega, which involved me building a, a what's called a mew. It's a it's essentially a raptor house, a mew on our property, which is uh, eight by 20, um, and then 12 foot tall in the front and 10 foot tall in the rear. Um, I've never built a building before, <laughs> but I always like doing new things because that's how you learn. I mean, sure. that's how you learn to build a building is you sure. just kind of plan it out and do it. Um, and it's not like there's just plans on the internet. Hey, build your own red-tailed hawk meal. <laughs> Here's a kit. So all of that was really just from the ground up planning. And so that was fun. Um, uh, at that point, uh, I had never done anything like that before, so I didn't realize that I needed to check for permits and stuff like that. <laughs> that all came later. Um, but anyway, so I built this enclosure on our property, and I'm like, this is it. You know, do you get one bird? Um, you know, you can you can have this fun with Rebecca, take her to programs. Famous last words. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, um, you know, as it became more and more something that she enjoyed doing... Um, that that's when we kind of had that drive from Tennessee, and it's like, okay, do we want to take on more, or do we want to kind of move away from it? And we decided to take on more, mm-hmm. and that that involved this time learning the permitting process and making sure that I wasn't violating any zoning regulations by having birds of prey on our property in our sure. neighborhood. Um, and uh, so that that was that was a process with the the zoning guy out there, uh, but he was great. Uh, this is Green Lake Township, so. Okay. Um, he, he was very, very easy to talk to. It, I'm sure it was a little interesting for him because he'd literally never gotten a request like this before. You know, he's like, okay, I have people with roosters and pigs, but you want to do what <laughs> on your property? 
Um, and then I had to design an enclosure that would that would meet the specifications that the federal government um, suggests. There are no requirements, but there's strong recommendations just for the for the sanity of the birds and, and the health of the birds. Mm -hmm. That also met the regulations of my neighborhood association. Um, so that was quite a process. And then build that. We're, we're probably one of the only people in the country that have rehab enclosures for raptors that also has siding. So, but that was necessary for the, for the neighborhood association. Right. <laughs> um, but but that uh, so that was put in place, and uh, at the same time we were working on on going through the the nonprofit creation process and getting our federal permits, which took uh, about as long as I expected, which is longer than I would imagine most people expected. Yeah. But um, nonetheless, that all came through. Um, there's still a couple permits we have to get before, you know, we we um, are operating fully autonomously because we work very closely with Wings of Wonder right now. Mm -hmm. We have our own um, rehab permit, but Vegas still under Rebecca's permit. Okay. Um, just because our possession permit's still in the in the process. They, okay. These things take time. Sure, they do. Quote unquote. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how that all came together. Sure. So talking about Vega and the Pacific farmer yeah. from Elk Rapids. Yeah. Founder. So what do people do in that case if they find? A raptor. What's the? What do you recommend? You know the the processes of uh, getting the bird and, and contacting. Guys? So f first and foremost, what you shouldn't do is just kind of go after that raptor. Okay. <laughs> because in general, they do not like you. Sure. They don't want to be near you, and uh, you can be injured very easily. Sure. Uh, so that aside, call for help. Um, okay. So we want to make sure that a it is a raptor. Um, Crows. Oh, good point. Crows and ravens look very <laughs> large on the ground. Um, gulls also look very large on mm -hmm. the ground when you get super close to them and they're unhappy and their wings are out. So, sure. so this isn't a gray-tailed hawk. It's it, actually a pigeon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Uh -huh. uh, so call for help. Um, the DNR is a great resource, um, and or you can call us. Um, we're listed on the rehabilitation page that the DNR has posted on their website. So um, the what well, actually, if, I, if you don't mind, one yeah. of the first steps the the public can make is to just Google Michigan DNR rehabilitators, and it will take okay. you right to their website that lists in every county uh, of the entire state what rehab what rehabbers there are and what they do. Yep. Um, okay. So like in Grand Traverse, it's going to list us. Um, and then uh, another gal who does not raptors, but birds. Um, so for one set of, of birds, you would call us. For another set, you would call her. So a lot of the calls we get are us kind of directing people to the right person. Sure. Um, but regardless of what the animal is, um, you know, a badger or, or, or a bird, um, if you go on that, that website or just Google that, um, Michigan DNR Rehabbers, um, it will take you to that website and you can find the right person to reach out to. That's usually a good first step because a lot of times the Michigan DNR is overwhelmed mm -hmm. with their responsibilities. Um, there's only so many personnel per county, um, and they're always glad to help whenever they can. But a lot of times what they do is they'll take, you know, whatever animal it is and <laughs> call that person on the list and say, hey, great, we've got this. Can you help us? Which is, which is great. Um, but a lot of times if we keep them out of the chain it's much easier for them to do all the stuff they need to do. Um, so just as a side note. Yep. Um, give us a call. Uh, you'll listen to our really long voicemail. 
Um, it tells you what a raptor is, what qualifies as a raptor, um, the different types of raptors that we see in this region. Um, and it will also ask you to send a photo, Texas photo. Mm. It'll go to both of our phones. That way we can see what, exactly what we're dealing with. Um, we can tell a lot from a photo. Is the bird on the ground? What's the posture of the bird? Is it panting? All these things give us clues as to how how well the bird's doing. Is it a baby? It, what kind of baby is it? Is it a gray horned owl baby? They spend a lot of time on the ground. They hatch the earliest. They leave the parents the latest. They're mm. really slow learners. They leave the nest long before they can fly. If it's a baby gray horned owl and the parents are around, it's fine. But if it's something like a red-tailed hawk on the ground or a peregrine falcon on the ground, those are really big red flags, um, especially if it's a younger bird. So figuring out what it is, that photo tells us a lot. Um, and then usually it always goes to voicemail. Our phones do. Um, we'll listen to the voicemail and we'll give you a call as soon as we can because, you know, we're usually working our other jobs. Um, so as soon as we can, and then we'll try to arrange for help. We'll give you directions depending on what the situation is. Um, a sick, injured, orphaned bird has usually three modes of um, defense or escape. It will either um, flip over on its back and expose its talons because that's the business end. Mm. It will run away or it will fly away. Um, it can also do a combination of those three things. So being, or it'll just sit there. Nothing, won't do anything, pretend that you don't exist. So being prepared for those three things, and we'll kind of walk you through that, how to, you know, toss a blanket over the bird to limit its visual stimulus so that way you can pick it up, make sure you have some gloves on, business under the feet. Um, Any of the birds can bite. You'll survive the bite. It'll be fine. You don't have to go to the doctor. It just sucks for a second. It's the talons you have to worry about. Yeah, it's the feet. That's the business end. Um, So making sure that you secure the feet, put the bird in a box with holes in it. You don't want to suffocate the bird on the way to us. Sure. Um, And, yeah, get it to us. So in general, the first thing you want to do if you notice a a bird, raptor or otherwise, is just observe. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times people, they see a raptor on the ground, and they're like, oh, well, birds fly, so this is unusual. Um, there's multiple reasons, especially on the side of the road. There's multiple reasons why they're on the ground. One, it's probably an easy meal sitting there right next to them um, that you can and cannot see. Raptors are apex predators, but they're also opportunistic. Um, You know, why work for it if it's right there? And while most raptors do eat live prey, there's there's not a one that's above eating something very fresh sure. that's that's free and available. Sure. So, you know, just, just observe. Um, if there's physical damage to the bird that's obvious, you know, then obviously, you know, call a rehabber or call the DNR right away. Um, in general, birds can have some very interesting um, activity, um, behavior, uh, especially if they're on the ground. A bird that that runs into a window may fly away and then just kind of sit somewhere for two days because it's trying to figure out uh, how to heal. Just to shake it off. But people don't know that it ran into a window and they just see a bird sitting there. Mm -hmm. It could be fine two days later. It it could not be. It's tough to say. Uh, A lot of times when birds are fighting off an illness or an injury, I don't want to say they give up, but they kind of act like they've given up. Okay. They just assume, well, this is it. I'm done for. Mm-hmm. So they'll just they'll lay wherever they are. They either get better and then they're like, great, and fly away, or they don't. 
Um, and and that's usually when you know you need someone like us to to kind of intervene. But so the first step is to observe. Um, second step, you know, if if during your observation you see that it's being attacked in some way, um, a that's either the circle of life happening right before your eyes, mm-hmm. or like if it's dogs <clears throat> roughing up you know baby birds that fell out of a nest or something like that. Just as an example, then definitely you know intervene mm-hmm. um, if if you feel that's the right thing to do. Um, but in general, your first step is just going to be to watch. If you feel like you need to take action, we're probably going to direct you to put on gloves and see if you can approach the bird. Okay. If you're able to approach the bird and it doesn't do anything, it's not a good sign. Because in general, their natural state, again, is to be nowhere near us and, and have nothing to do with us. Um, so if you're able to approach and it doesn't react much or, you know, it could hiss or clack its beak. Okay. Um, you know, that's... That's kind of a good sign, but if it's not flying away, there's probably a reason. Oh. So we'll we'll instruct you to grab a blanket or a cardboard box, a jacket. Yeah, any oh. anything that's that's gonna cut off their vision because they won't try to fly if they can't see. Um, and uh, in general, what they can't see, they can't attack. Um, and just kind of put it over the bird, and then you want to get it into a cardboard box that has plenty of holes punched in it. Um, you don't want to put it in a garage. You don't want to leave it in a, in a running car or anything like that. You want it to be reasonably temperature controlled, and you don't want it to be around fumes and, okay. and gases and stuff like that. They're very, very small bodies. They look large, but it's mostly feathers. They're very, sure. very small systems, so small <clears throat> amounts of, of contaminants can be deadly to them. Hmm. Um, you don't want to try to feed them anything. Um, you, you don't know what their injuries are, so sometimes eating can be bad for them. Um, They'll either gack it up, they could suffocate. Their, their innards inside their mouth are not like ours. It's very easy to suffocate a bird. Um, so um, then just, just take that box uh, and, and you know, bring it to either the DNR or us. Okay. Um, but yeah, in general, that's what you want to do. Start with observation. If you have concerns, call, um, and then you know, we'll kind of direct you from there. Okay. So what does classify as a raptor, then? people that don't know. Sure. Um, like raptors, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so raptors are the eagles, hawks, falcons, osprey, owls, harriers, and kites. And vultures. Um, and also everyone's favorite, the vulture. Um, so we don't really get any kites here. We have some that like migrate over, okay. um, but we don't have any that breed here. So it's very rare to see a kite. Um, so yeah. Um, those, they have a super aggressive hooked beak, and so that the beak doesn't get in the way of their vision. Um, like a toucan's beak comes way out, oh, their eyes okay. are on the side, right? So, but they also just eat fruit, berries, that kind of stuff. They don't have to worry about catching something. Um, so the beak curves straight down, and they have those talons. So the word raptor comes from the Latin word repair, which means to grab or to grasp. Um, so that's the business end. Um, so they catch their food, besides the vultures, with their feet. Um, Some are specialized to catch food on the ground. Some are specialized, like the falcons, to hit food in the air. Mm. Um, So the style of foot is very specialized. Um, Like the osprey will catch just fish and only fish. Um, So each each foot is specialized for that specific prey base. 
Um, but okay. yeah, so aggressively hooked beak and really mean looking feet. And those are incredibly sharp, aren't they? Oh yeah. From what I understand, yeah. they're like sharper than people think. They're like, oh, it's a it's a nail. It's like no, no, it's, a nail. it's like a razor. It, it, it they're very sharp and they're very because they're so hooked and they're really pointed at the end. They just they push right through skin. Oh, um, so whatever. As soon as they touch something, it's oh like yeah, hooked. specifically designed for that. Yep. Yeah. If if you ever do get clawed by a raptor which is not something the average yeah talon sorry (laughs) which is not something the average person is going to experience but if you're trying to capture one and you do get taloned you essentially need to go to the hospital with the bird attached to you because they're not going to let go um (laughs) either that or you have to you know put down the bird and then they'll let go but in general that's something you want to avoid which is why we (laughs) yeah Agree. Which is why we have specialized equipment. You know, when we go out for, for rescues or we're handling birds that, that are not glove trained, we're wearing welding gloves. Sure. Um, a or lot of the specialized gloves. A lot of the gloves are Kevlar lined. Um, just just because on the larger wow. birds, those talons, it doesn't matter how thick it is. They're literally designed to go through, well, you know, kind of yeah, cool. hide and leather and all of that. Um, now with like Vega or any of the program birds, we have specially designed falconry gloves. Um, that that you'll see us use, and um, a lot of times people wonder, you know, if it's a quote unquote trained bird, which it's still not. It's you know, it's a wild raptor with you know, hundreds yeah, of hours was, of training. Yeah, but with, she's with still impairment, wild. but some 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 coping of its sure. of its personality. Well, yeah, Siegfried Roy. Um, exactly. Yeah. So. Yep, yep. They ask us why we still wear the gloves, and it's because you know, if even though this bird knows how we're going to react, and it knows how to react to us. Something in the audience happens where its natural instinct would be like, oh, oh, then it's going to clamp down a little harder, which is unpleasant. Let's say there are balloons in the audience. Bird no longer has a reaction to a balloon, but the balloon pops. Well, that's alarming, right? When we are alarmed by something, we kind of pull back people right and they yeah their immediate reaction is to squeeze their natural foot shape is to hold a branch so it's like this they don't stretch them out they don't have the muscles to open up their toes like we have to open up our hands they can it's just work it involves their brain which is complicated it's very instinctual Um, yeah to keep to keep their feet around an object so when something startles them, they squeeze it tighter. When a rabbit screams, they squeeze tighter because the rabbit's still alive, which is a problem oh, for them. For them, right? Sure. So oh. it's instinctual to squeeze tighter. Well, if a bird is on my glove or my hand and she gets startled and I don't have the glove on, she squeezes tighter. Well, we're all going to the hospital. Mm. So we we wear that glove not because she's not trained, but just because there are so many variables yeah. in any given situation. Sure. Um, and. Yeah, my we have to retire the gloves every while, I don't know, nine months to a year with Vega because she she's a little grippy sometimes because okay. she forgets I'm there. So when she turns and gets startled, she squeezes a little and then she immediately relaxes. But we have to make sure that glove's on all the time. <laughs> what kind of pressure are we talking that these birds can generate? Like uh, it is really hard to measure, okay. but it will take your breath away. Wow. Yeah, there, it there are on times the when, like, I've been handling sure. her for years, and and there are times when she gets startled, and I'm like, oh, okay, wow. this is where we're at today. All right, all right. And that's with three layers of you know yeah, cowhide yeah. between yeah. you and her. But yeah, I'm sure the size of the bird matters. If you got like a larger eagle, I'm, I'm wondering yep. if it's yep. like enough to break an arm, or could it be that? 
you know, I'm, I don't know that they could, and I don't know about the larger eagles, especially the ones outside the States. I don't know that they could crush like a human bone, but I do know that it's strong enough that I would, I would be very respectful of their yeah. prowess. <laughs> um, and you mentioned like larger birds, like Vega's wingspan is about four feet. It's just under four feet. Okay. She only weighs three and a half pounds. You said it's like mostly feathers, yep. right? Yep. So yeah, I'm, I'm thousands remember... and thousands of feathers. <laughs> like uh, which they molt every year. Oh wow. Okay. So it's like having a husky. <laughs> just yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. Wow. It just pretty, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> I remember, like uh, I don't remember what I saw, but uh, um, like uh, an owl without feathers. It's like. Oh yeah, know. it's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. Tiny. <laughs> yeah. It looks ridiculous. So, it looks yeah. like a shaped cat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tiny, yeah. So what are some um, like myths that you've encountered? Through working with with birds and with people that you kind of like to bust or dispel. You could probably do a whole episode just on the myths involved <laughs> in vultures. Okay, because yeah. yeah. vultures have a very negative, you know, public appearance, which is, which is, also driven by you know like Disney movies and oh, cartoons. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, the vultures are always like the little evil guys kind of sitting over in the corner. But yeah. um, and honestly, I didn't realize. Uh, Vultures were raptors, considered yeah. a raptor. Yep. Oh, okay. They got yeah. removed for a while, but they're back in the raptor yeah, camp. Yeah, they're appropriate in, the, in that field. But, you know, just a couple basic things on, on, on vultures. You know, because they eat dead things, you're, everyone assumes they're dirty. Um, and they're actually very clean birds. They're specifically adapted you know, no feathers on the head because the head is inside of dead things, you know, so um, they clean off easily. They're, um, they've got a lot of specific adaptations that make them clean and, and very capable at what they do, which is essentially cleaning up cleaning up, yeah. cleaning up the planet for us of, mm-hmm. of all of the things that die. So, um, but uh, yeah, a lot of things, uh, you know, like one of the biggest ones on owls is everyone thinks owls can turn their heads 360 degrees. Oh. They, they can't. But because their their eyes are 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 fixed in their sockets, in other words, they can't they can't move their eyes. Okay. They have to move their head um, for their eyes to move. Um, they they do have like two hundred and forty degree rotation. Oh, wow. yeah, so in if, each direction, so it right. looks like it's going three hundred sixty degrees, but it's it's not. Like if an owl is looking forward and then it turns its head right, it can turn its head all the way right, right, right to look over its left shoulder. Oh, wow. And vice versa. They have many, many more vertebrae in their neck um, compared to humans. Another major misconception is what a bald eagle sounds like. Oh, my God. Uh, And, again, that's kind of created by Hollywood. Um, Hollywood, anytime you hear a raptor, uh, an eagle, whatever, it's a red-tailed hawk call. um, Because a red-tailed hawk has a very distinct, you know, kind of kiaw. Um, that's, very majestic. Yeah, it's very noticeable, very strong sounding, and they, they use that in, as as the sound for pretty much any raptor in any movie or television show. And whenever you have like a desert scene, that's the first yep. shot. Yes! There's a sun, and then yeah. and the eagle, and, and flying the, the red tail noise. You know, like if you ever watch the Colbert show, the Colbert oh, yeah. report, yeah, 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 that's you right. know, it comes up with the big bald eagle with this, that's a red tailed hawk scream. <laughs> Um, you know, a bald eagle actually has kind of a very pitiful sound to it. Um, they sound like really large gulls. Yeah, they're they're not. Yeah. They don't have a majestic call, but no. they are. You know, they have. They are very cool birds. But from a voice standpoint, the bald eagle does not sound like what you think a bald eagle sounds like. What it should. Yeah. Um, a an adult or a sub adult red-tailed hawk is not a baby bald eagle. 
all all of them look brown at some point. Oh, okay. okay. I've got a hawk. It's brown. (laughs) It could be anything. Um, They are full grown at 12 weeks. Not a myth. Um, They're full size at 12 weeks. They may not fly particularly well, but they are the same size as their parents at 12 weeks. So if we've got a bird in late August and you're calling and telling me you have a baby, probably not. Um, I'm so glad people are not like that. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, development yeah, right. is... <laughs> would that be easier or harder? Oh, no, that would be harder. Grocery <laughs> bill, man. We don't have kids. I work with kids, so I don't actually want to have them. Um, so, I, I, yeah, big no babies. We also have two rescue dogs. We have enough kids in our, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In our life without having kids. So. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, another major misconception is, uh, um, oh, shoot, I just had it. And that's I... okay. Small birds are not babies. Um, that's sure. where I was going with the, the full-size thing. Sure. Um, kestrels are, like, they weigh less than a stick of butter oh, forever. Wow. Um, they're smaller than the water bottle. They're, you know, three oh, wow. to six inches, depending on their posture. They're really cool. They hunt grasshoppers, especially when the grasshoppers get big. They're amazing little flyers. They're falcons. Um, it's the smallest falcon we have here, and every time she comes out of the box, you can hear in the audience, the baby. Oh, really? It's like, Even though you say it's 13. an adult. Yeah. Like, she's adult. She's not a baby. In, in bird years, this is your grandmother. She's yep. not a baby. <laughs> Boy, so they hunt the, man, that'd be nice to have in my house, because when I'm mowing the lawn, like in August, it's like a biblical apocalypse. Just going with the tractor and these. Yep. Yeah. You can put up a pesto box. That was going to be one yeah, of my they, next questions. Yeah, they in cavities. Okay. So the, the Wings of Wonder website and eventually our website do have just a free, cheap, easy plan for you to make a Kestrel box. It requires literally one board hmm. from, um, you know, from, from a store, and uh, uh, it takes about 40 minutes to, to, oh. to put together start to finish. It's a fun little project. Yep. And the only waste is the hole that you cut out for the bird to go in. It uses the whole board. Yeah. Nice. Um, Going back to misconceptions, it's not actually a misconception, but it's an interesting fact. You know, in most species of animals, um, the male is larger. Mm -hmm. In raptors, it's the other way around. So um, the males tend to be, you know, sometimes significantly smaller than the females in the raptor world. So people always see a large Mm -hmm. one and they assume it's the male. Well, it's not. It's probably the female. Um, you know, if you've got two of them together, instead of being, you know, daddy bear, mama bear, yeah. baby bear, <laughs> yeah. it's it's kind of the other way around for raptors. Okay. Yeah, and the women are the boss because sure. they're bigger. So if she doesn't like what the male is doing, she'll just eat him. Well, all right. Wow. Easy we've meal. All, we've yep. all been on dates like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, going, getting back to the Kestrel box, that was yep. going to be another one of my questions. So what are some things that people can do at home to encourage raptor welfare? And yeah, obviously absolutely. that's one of them. Yep, put up the Kestrel boxes. Um, rodenticides and insecticides are an issue because, uh, okay. you know, the Kestrels are feasting when the grasshoppers get large. It's the same time their babies are leaving. Mother Nature's amazing. Um, so the babies will be hopping around on the ground following the hops of the grasshoppers. It's adorable. But if, mm. you know, you sprayed your lawn with insecticides because green grass, family's going to be out there, whatever, it makes the grasshoppers slower and eventually they die. Well, the kestrels will eat the slower grasshoppers because they're easier marks and now you have a dead bird. Um, same, same thing with Same thing with mouse traps and stuff like that. If you okay. use sticky traps or snap traps, 
I mean, snap traps are good. Sure, sure, that may not be great for you to see, but it's a heck of a lot better for the birds because if it eats that poison and then runs out and it's like, "Eh, I'm really slow now, and the bird's like, hey, look, easy food. Well, then that's a dead mouse and a dead bird. Um, We we don't like the rodenticides. We don't like the sticky traps because it catches other things. Um, But the snap traps, again, it's harder for humans to manage because you're dealing with a dead thing but it is it is the easiest safest way to handle that problem well, it's and the same thing the with box. with stuff you spray on your lawn to to sure. manage mosquitoes or, or you know dandelions or whatever all of that stuff it gets gets ingested by somewhere along the line something yeah. in the food chain um, <clears throat> that is then going to be eaten by some sort of apex predator who is then going to die. I'm sure. Um, so uh, there's a lot of things that humans do. I don't mean to sound like a hippie, but there's there's a lot of things that humans do that are that we do out of convenience for ourselves that yeah. are just very, very harmful for, you know, everything that's not part of our direct um, food chain. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's important for people to be conscious of that kind of thing because, like you said, we tend to do what's most convenient for us. Yeah. Sure you know, physically or, you know, emotionally or mentally. And um, we got to understand that that kind of stuff has consequences. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know. Which which we see every day. The average person doesn't. So, you know, right. most people don't even think about it. But, you know, a bird comes in with the tiniest <clears throat> amount of lead just because of a lead fishing bower oh. or a little little oh. tiny piece of, of lead from a bullet that, you know, hit, hit an animal, maybe didn't kill it, but then the animal dies, then a bird eats that animal and, that tiny piece of lead that was in his system is more than enough to kill a bald eagle. Or like a gut pile at, like, you know, you field dress a deer. Mm-hmm. Well, the caliber, uh, like the velocity that those bullets come out by the time they hit, tiny little fragments blast all over. Like if you oh. x-ray at that impact site, it just tiny little fragments light up on an x-ray. Not that we're anti-hunting because we're not. No, we love But there are alternatives to lead, you know, bullets bullets. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Non-lethal for spears. Spears. Yeah. I was gonna go with copper, but you know, all of my firearms have copper rounds, so (laughs) that that you don't have to use a spear. Um, But if you want to, go nuts. Um, Yeah. So you'll feel much more accomplished with a spear, I would say. (laughs) The uh, like a lead fragment doesn't even have to be a whole bullet, but a lead fragment smaller than a grain of rice will kill a bald eagle. Oh wow! It'll send it. it, It's it's not. It's not an easy death. It, there's seizures. It's sure. it's awful. And then even the treatment is extremely painful to extract the lead from their blood. Um, and it's very painful. It's very expensive. And it's a long rehab. And it's not great success-wise. That's like chelation therapy. Yeah, that's that exactly what it is. Yep. Okay. So there's some things you can do, though, to encourage uh, raptors in your yard. One is the, is the boxes, which, you know, when you look at those directions on the website, it does tell you how to build them, but also how to position them to get the sort of raptor that you want um there's also particular plants you can you can you can put in that encourage songbirds and stuff to come in which are also eaten by falcons um so having those types of birds in your yard again it's kind of a circle of life sort of thing you're like oh i'm feeding these birds oh and then this bird came in and ate that bird it's national geographic in your backyard yeah Yeah. Uh, i mean if you're if you're into that kind of thing it's it's kind of cool to watch um I yeah. fed a great horned owl in there. I'm pretty sure it was a great horned owl because it was a very big rabbit that I fed it. 
Yeah. Not on purpose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not on purpose. No, it was that in the winter, so we could do it. Well, it was in the winter, so we could, you know, like see where it hopped away. Sure. Yep. Big yep. fat old gray rabbit, you know. Hmm. Nice. You get out there and I'm like, whoa. Well, here it is. All we found was an ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All we found was an ear, a couple feathers, a yep. few puffs of gray fur, oh, and then sorry. a pellet in our yard in the spring. Yeah. That was most oh. clearly from the yeah. from yeah. the rabbit. But, yeah, I, remember, bones. I remember watching all those nature shows as a kid. I mean, I loved watching them. Uh, some parts were so traumatic. Yep. <laughs> I mean, no, we knew it was because there were any wild nature. gray rabbits. Well, so, see, that, that's, that's, that's normal. We, we go to places and get our food already prepared so we don't have to see that kind of stuff. But that's just how it goes, man. Like... For for everything but us on this planet, that's how they eat. Yep. So Absolutely. Sure. So if people are um they're interested in helping you guys out of Wings of Wonder and donating, what's the best pathway? So the, the two best routes to to you know, either get more information on us or, you know, show support in whatever way you, you want, um, is to visit our website, which is norskyraptor.org. Okay. Um, or visit us on Facebook. Um, we kind of use Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash norskyraptor. Okay. Um, we use our Facebook really to keep people up to date on what's going on. Okay. Um, our website is a good good source of information. Uh, it's also where you can make you know financial donations if you want to because we are essentially entirely dependent on the financial donations of people who support what we're doing okay. um you know we right now we've got uh, uh, a, a rough-legged hawk a snowy owl um a sawwet owl and of course vega and that's about eight bucks a day for us to feed wow. um so we're fortunate enough to have some some donations coming in that help kind of offset a lot of that for us um and the, actually that rough-legged is a very interesting story which we can tell if we have time yeah, absolutely. you guys are yeah. interested but uh, those are really the two best ways to, to get a hold of us. You know, we'd, we'd love if you follow our, our site on Facebook. Sure. Um, again, that's facebook.com forward slash Raptor. You can just search Raptor on Facebook. Um, but uh, that'll give you an option to, to make donations. Um, whenever we need material supplies, we'll kind of put it out on Facebook. Hey, we're looking for this. And if it's something you got in your basement and you haven't touched for five years, we're glad to take it. You know, sure. a, a lot of our stuff, it doesn't need to be brand new. It's, you know, the... It's good enough for who it's for. You know, the birds don't care. Right. <laughs> uh, whether it's a brand new crate or one right. that's a, that a dog lived in for years. You know, we clean it out and we use it for the birds. But, um, and then, uh, you know, the, the other thing you can do is really just kind of be conscious of, of you know, how your actions can either... Um, I think that's good know. advice in general. So the, <laughs> if, if you don't mind, I'll tell you the, the story of the rough-legged. So unfortunately, we've had this rough-legged for a little longer than, uh, than you know, I think we anticipated, but it's recovering, um, so Ooh. that's good. This rough-legged hawk was, was, was found caught in the razor wire of old Pugsley Correctional oh. um, by, by part of the crew that's doing the work over there to turn it into whatever it's becoming, I'm, I'm not sure. And they, they found this rough-legged hawk kind of caught in the razor wire, and its feet were all torn up. Um, you know, from the razor wire, and it looked like it had gotten out and then gotten caught again in between the two fences. So um, a lot of its, from its struggles, a lot of its feathers, important flight feathers, were just shredded off. Um, And um, it was brought to us at least days into these injuries. Um, You know, one of the the roughest things for birds to survive is injuries to their feet. just because that's really their that's their livelihood um so we've we've had quite a road to recovery with this bird at first we just needed to determine you know can we save all the toes 
if you have to take off more than one toe, it's essentially not a bird that's going to survive in the wild. So, and we're not allowed to remove the back toe and then release yeah, it because uh, that's a piercing. Raptors have four four toes, oh. um, three in the front, one in the back. Usually. Sometimes they can rotate, you know, one of the toes around to hold on to stuff better, but um, unlike humans, they have they have four. Okay. Um, so all four of those are critical. Um and it, at first, it looked like we were going to need to remove, you know, one or possibly two. But, you know, with the help of, of Northwoods initially kind of doing some x-rays, let's see what's going on here and um, getting us some medications, which definitely helped. We then essentially spent the next month um, keeping, we had to keep the bird inside. If it was outside, you know, it had open wounds. It was kind of getting bacteria and stuff in its hands or reopening the scabs. But we would have this bird, and this is a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life, uh, soaking its feet in our tub <laughs> uh, to, to kind of soften up, you know, with Epsom salts to kind of soften up those, those scabs. Because you don't want them to scab, you want them to heal. Oh, okay. Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, it's also labor-intensive. It's a bit sketchy. Uh, from a safety standpoint, um, because it does not want to do anything that you're trying to get it to do. Sure. Uh, it would just assume either see us dead or die itself. Um, can't, put, can't put on some Enya. Yeah, no. no. Light a candle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Some mood music. He, uh, he had to design, well, like we had help. Thankfully, we have amazing colleagues um, across the country and here locally who have either dealt with things like this or have recommendations that dealt with something similar to this. So um, our friend Jim, uh, he's a falconer, was dealing with something similar on one of the birds that he was working with. So he had designed a, a bucket um, and he used a square bucket and put a perch in the square bucket. Which I had then, trouble finding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, filled the bucket up so that way we're not trying to figure out how to perch a bird in a slippery bathtub. Mm-hmm. The bird has a hood on so she can't see. So you know, it's That's just funny. I uh, immediately thought of a striped panfish. Fish? Yeah. <laughs> put a perch in a square bucket. <laughs> see, so. so the interesting thing about this dynamic is the way this works is my wife calls me and says, Hey, I need something we can soak a bird's feet in. What? Uh, are we talking? Are we talking the large hawk in our basement? Yeah. So then I have to look up, um, which you know, there's not a lot of people who do this in the world. So I have to look up and try to get ideas of how I can turn a bucket into something. I, so then I go to Menards and I'm like looking at buckets and buying dowel rods and cutting holes in buckets and mounting dowel rods to buckets. It's just. It's just weird. It's not something that a normal person has a conversation yeah. about and then has to figure out how to do on their way home from work. Uh, your Google search history must be. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. interesting. Also, our conversations, like in Menards, when people walk by, they just kind of like, what are they even. Yeah. Well, there are times at work and I'm on the phone and people are like, what? What did you just say? Yeah. So, so we think the toes are savable. Yeah. I'm trying to eat, dude. Yeah. You can imagine, yeah, the conversations in Menards, you know, it's like, can I help you find something? It's like, you know what? Don't no, worry about it. no. I need to do this. Yeah. What? But, uh, so anyways, this rough-legged, it's, its feet are, are in really good shape now. We ended yeah. up being able to save all of the toes, which I'm right. sure it preferred. Um, yeah, we've been flight training it again. You know, after a bird sits inside so much or, or is in enclosed space, it loses some of the muscle mass that it uses to fly and, you know, maneuver and get food. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have to uh, do what's called creancing because we don't have large flight pins yet. 
I live in a neighborhood. Mm. Um, that would be frowned upon, I think. A 100-foot flight pen being go- going up in our neighborhood. Anyways, so we take it out to a field, uh, you know, and it's tied to us, and we let it fly, you know, three, 400 feet, then, you know, we get it. We let it fly 300, you know, feet, then we, then we get it again. And that kind of gets it back into shape, which is in the process we're in now. And then the last thing we need to do, because a lot of its flight feathers are still pretty damaged from being sheared off, um, is, is imp the feathers, which is essentially just... You know, you take the feather, which is hollow, you cut it. Um, you take a, a, the same feather, because all of the feathers have a particular shape and purpose. Okay. Same feather from another bird, and you cut it, and then you put something inside the, you know, the shaft, and you, and you glue it, and then you glue that feather on, and then it'll molt that feather off, you know, when it's time. Okay. Uh, but we can't afford to wait for this bird to molt all of its feathers, no. uh, just because... She, is, uh, she needs to be in northern Canada yeah. now. From a weather oh, okay. standpoint, the sooner we can get her into cold weather, the better. Oh, and then from a, a finance standpoint, the sooner she's not eating us out of house and home, the better. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, Although our food suppliers love it when we get big birds. Yeah, they do. Between her and the snowy owl, we're, we're, we're going through a lot. But So what do they eat? Um, bird, it's bird specific, so depending on the species, it changes. Smaller birds eat smaller things generally. Okay. Um, larger birds eat parts of larger things. So um, the rough-legged, she is a large-bodied bird, but she has teeny tiny little feet. It's adorable. Like, oh, I can't... The red tail's feet are giant. Like, I, okay. I have a really hard time, like, verbalizing the, the size difference. Um, but the rough-legged's feet are small because they hunt lemming. Um, so the lemming are okay. numerous and small. Not that we have lemming in our freezer at Nope, nope. <laughs> so we feed her mice and rats and a little bit of quail because they could hunt partridge. But we also do, um, you know, we have suppliers who will give us chicken, <clears throat> yep. um, which, which, you know, it's good clean meat. Um, we have suppliers who give us rabbit, um, which, which is good, good clean meat. Which um, the snowy eats a load of. But yeah, so until, um, you know, again, we're, we're kind of a year into this, so our, our facilities are not robust yet. Um, but yeah, pretty much half of our kitchen freezer is filled up with dead mice, rats, quail. <laughs> <laughs> when we go to Costco, it's Lasagna. hard to figure out where the heck we're going to put yeah. our food yeah. around the bird food. Now, ultimately, we'll have a second freezer at some point, but uh, uh, we're just not there yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm really not looking forward to being there. But Emotionally, it, it's inevitable. it'll be easier for like friends and family to open up our freezer sure. when we get a second freezer. But right now, it's just... Rodents. <laughs> and, and we have to be very cautious about where we get our food from. We can't just go out and catch fish, um, you know, because a lot of the, you know, there's contaminants in, in a lot of the food sources. So, um, you know, we use Rodent Pro for some of our stuff, but at the same time, we're trying to move away from them as much as possible and support local places. Sure. Um, we just got a supplier for a local supplier um, out, out in Interlochen for quail, who also, you know, from time to time has a couple rabbits to give us, but we do have a primary rabbit supplier out in Empire. Who's, who's, who's great. Um, uh, we've got a couple sources of, of chicken, but not a reliable one yet. Um, really just like, hey, uh, one of my chickens died. Hit us up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me know. Uh, how did it die, by the way? Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully not from eating something bad. No, no. Um, but, uh, you know, like mice and rats, that's still something we could breed our own. But Whoa. there's already enough living things in my house. I do not need a sure. whole thing of rats. I need 500 mice. Yeah. yeah. No thanks. So no thanks. She's like, crickets from? are so easy for the birds. I'm like, they're going to drive us mad. Yeah. <laughs> Just me, me, me. No, thank you. But um, 
So yeah, as we find more local suppliers, it becomes a little easier for us, and they've been they've been great about working with us on prices that are you know workable too. So, right. so is there anything else you want to let our listeners know about what you do or how they can help? Anything? Well, we covered quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, follow us. We're, each case is different. We try to give the public an update as much as possible. Um, we try to keep it not as um, sad as sure. possible. It, euthanasia is part of our job. So um, unfortunately, it's it's a big part of our job. So we try to keep it very real on our Facebook page, but we try not to overload people with sadness either. Sure. So we really we really like giving updates on the birds that are doing well. Um, we yeah. inform of, of releases too. Yep. Um, Great. Yep. Which is, which is always fun. Uh, unfortunately, the release that we're hoping to do for the snowy and the rough-legged, we're going to get them as close to Canada as possible. Yeah. So we'll be doing that, you know, the in the zoo. UP. Yeah. So if anyone wants to make a road trip, you just there shoot you us a message on Facebook. Yeah. We will let you know. Yeah. There you go. Um, but, yeah, besides that, we, we really just hope everyone follows us and watches these birds get better. And we'll and thanks for, thanks for, you know, giving a heck about, yeah. Yeah. you know, the birds. Mm-hmm. When, they, when, when people call in, it's always... It's always very nice to know that there's there's people who care, yeah. you know, and, yeah, and a lot of times it's good. just out of basic concern. They're like, oh, what can I do? Yeah. Well, that, that's a good start, you know. You, yeah, well, you guys are doing the good work, and we need more people like you guys and more organizations. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. No? How big is a solid owl? Uh, smaller it's, owls. It's about the yes. size of your cell phone. Okay, that's what I thought. Really? That, when you yes. said that, yeah, I remember Full, seeing fully a picture. Grown. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. tiny. They're, they're um... I don't want to say they're adorable, but they're pretty freaking yeah. adorable. <laughs> the picture I saw of one, it's pretty yeah. adorable. They're uh, they're they're one of my favorites. I'm more partial to the owls because owls are cute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other ones are just big and scary. I mean, owls are big and scary too, but they're also cute. Yeah. So 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 that yeah, helps. There, but there's a big. I got a picture of. In fact, I took a picture of it with my dad of a big barred owl that was uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. very common yeah. up here. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's awesome. Big, yeah, yeah. Fit, yeah. That big. big old thing. Mm-hmm. Are they native to the area? Just yeah. Yeah. I'm just so sitting on a tree right here. Yeah. I'm going to pull up the park and I'm looking at this like Yeah, during, the, during spring and fall, we get a lot of barred owls. And actually, over the winter, I think we our first 10 birds on our permit were all barred owls. We had four barred owls in one enclosure. I think it'll be you know, They're so giant oak trees. But yeah, I was like, and it's plug and play. Do we like do something other than barred owls every once in a while? You never have to do anything. And then, of course, you know, the variety came, and, and I haven't seen a barred owl since. Uh, it's it's mainly it's during the winter because barred owls don't, okay. yeah. most nice. of them don't migrate in yeah. our area. I'll look so back, I, I they'll stick around, and then they have trouble finding food, and that's when they come to us. Usually we can pump a meal or two into them, and they're happy to leave. Yeah, so... Do you, you ever get a vulture? We we have yet to get a vulture. I can't imagine. Well, vultures are... There's plenty of food for vultures. I mean, they're, they're the most common raptor up here, is, is vultures, Tur- turkey vultures. There's plenty of food for them. Um, when they get injured, they get eaten pretty quick mm. by other vultures because they're social. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. social media. Hey, yes. hey Greg died. I've Let's been, eat him. Greg died. I've been to high school. I know what that's You going yeah. to Greg? Greg, 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 you, Greg looks like you got limp. And then they, like they you know, spend, hey, Greg's uh, limp and everybody. <laughs> what happens to a lot of birds is they get hit by cars. Vultures spend a lot of time around cars, so they're, yeah. they're pretty reactive to them. So we don't see a ton of vultures. Sure. Um, even though it's the most common raptor, we just don't see a ton of them. The other thing is when they die, they usually kind of go off and die um, okay. as opposed to just kind of like uh, being near the side of the road. So sure. Owls off, oftentimes get hit by cars. That's, that's one mm-hmm. of the ones that is very common is owls. They, uh, they hunt the roadways. At um, night. At so. night. 
uh, because there's no cover on the roadway. So it's really easy to see a mouse dart across the road, and it's really easy to get the mouse that's darting across the road. Well, they can't always perceive everything that's going on around them. Again, they have have binocular vision, so they're not necessarily aware of what's happening over here. They're... Yeah, very and focused. You know, the food versus danger calculation sometimes goes poorly. <laughs> sure. So, also, so. you know, uh, nature doesn't necessarily understand what a car is yet. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've we've uh, yeah. excelled a little bit faster than, <laughs> than they've been able to keep up. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, for thank you very much. Awesome. Appreciate you having yeah. us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for taking interest. And, Definitely. And, you know, again, feel free to follow us on, on Facebook. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, just kind of keep an eye when we do releases. It's pretty cool to come out and watch. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll spread the word as much as we can. Thank you. And, and uh, once uh, our, our five-year plan is to have a separate piece of property, where because already our demand is, is way more than, than we can handle. Um, and at some point... Uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to get a lot more directed to us just as Rebecca kind of removes herself a little bit at sure. her own pace. You know, it's her yeah. life. She can do what she wants, and we're fully supportive of that. But uh, in five years, we plan to have our own piece of property um, that we can just kind of use for this and not necessarily have it always running out of our house. No, and, uh, in the bathtub? no, no, no. We'll still do Thanks. ICU at the house. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> <that. laughs> but, uh, um, you know, we may, uh, we may hit you guys up to see if you can put something together for us from a, from a metal standpoint. Oh, just yeah. as a logo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that would be really cool if for we sure. work yeah. something out at some point. Yeah. We're not ready for it yet. We got some time. I, I don't have any place to put a large metal sign right now on my sure. property. But, uh, but yeah, at some point that would be, that would be really cool. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Caitlin. It's nice to meet you. Of course. Nice. All right.